This is The Young Conservatives, with your hosts, Sean Allen and Judy Allen. This is The Young Conservatives Podcast. Today we've got a bunch of interesting things to talk about. But before we can get to that, Sean? Today's episode is brought to you by Farmers Insurance, Kirk Nell's Agency in West Plains, Missouri. You can stop by and see him at 1509 Imperial Center, find them online, or call 417-256-2425. They offer life insurance all throughout the U.S., all lines of financial and other insurance needs inside of Missouri. Get your family protected with life insurance today. And so I'd encourage you to go by and see them. Great people to work with. I guarantee you they'll have better insurance than what you've got now. Uh, they got low rates, so go check, go check them out. And so the first, the first story that we're going to talk about today, as Jew pointed out, we do have a really interesting story today. Um, and the first thing is Re- Representative Steve King, Republican from Iowa. You may or may not have heard of this recently, but um, he has been facing lots of backlash and even some calls to step down um, from fellow House members after some said racist remarks he's had and racist remarks throughout the years they've said. And so Judah's going to read you the tweet that first started all this, which I believe he tweeted this out maybe yesterday or the day before. Yeah, but first, before I read this off, just remember, guys, this is not Stephen King, the creepy author. (laughs) This is Steve King, the representative. If 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 you hear me say Stephen King... Um, you'll know who I'm talking about because Steve, Steven, pretty much the same thing. Yeah, we're talking about this guy, not the author. Yeah. Anyway, his tweet, he said, quote, white nationalist, white supremacist, Western civilization. How did that language become offensive? Why did I sit in classes teaching me about the merits of our history and our civilization? And so, that's the tweet that started Sorry, not a tweet. It was a, in an interview, yeah, an with, interview the with Times. New York Times. Um, that's I'm what's... used to Trump, you know, yeah. how he tweets everything. <laughs> that's what started all of this. And now uncovered, but I... a whole bunch of his other remarks have been brought to the light now that this has happened. Now everybody's throwing a big fit about it. If they want to make a case that he's a white supremacist, which by reading all these supposedly racist things he said... I think this is the most incriminating, which doesn't even do much. He just says, how did white supremacist become offensive? I think that's the biggest misstep he's done in this. Just yeah. know that. You might have a different opinion, but... Me and Jude are going to read to you um, some of his other quotes that he's had throughout the years. He has tons of them, so we're, we're going to keep this limited to probably like four or five. And then we're going to elaborate on why most of them aren't racist or even offensive. And so Judah's got the first one, then we're going to go ahead and elaborate on the rest of them after. Yeah, so in 2012, he said on a conservative political action conference um, with someone who the New York Times says is an open white nationalist, he called multiculturalism a tool for the left to subdivide a culture and civilization into our own little ethnic enclaves to pit us against each other. Now, I know this clearly wasn't a strong example of it, 
but this is just one of the many which they had many of this type as you guys can find out because there will be a link to this article in the show notes below but there this isn't even an op-ed i want to make that clear it's in the politics section of the new york times so they consider this to be one of the horrible racist things he said now i believe i don't know about you sean but i think this whole idea of multiculturalism is a whole thing to keep us actually when it tries to make us intertwine it's really just putting us further apart people have different cultures for a reason Mm-hmm. let's take africa for example they've i mean in all different countries parts there, of africa it's huge differences yeah they've got several different cultures and throughout africa and you've seen what's happened in history um when one culture tries to take over another culture uh what happened judah they start they they sold one culture into slavery because they didn't want to mix up the two cultures europe you had Alexander the Great, and you had some other, like, smaller German and Roman, you know. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the word, like, subcultures. And when he'd go in, he'd try to, he'd take them over. What, he didn't really take them and just say, yeah, you're, we're going to protect you now. We're, we just went and fought you to get you. We're just going to say, yeah, come join us, because we're going to love everybody that we take over. No, they used them as work slaves, and they killed them. Throughout history, cultures are not meant to be intertwined. So that I don't have a problem with him really saying this. And I mean, to be fair, there are cultures that are compatible. But then there are some cultures that are yeah. just like completely different. Say, for instance, like culture and geography don't really matter because someone who has a very similar culture to me over in Russia on the other side of the world, I'd probably, I'd like to talk to him a lot more than some communist down in Kentucky right below me. Yeah. I mean, two different cultures, a commie and an absolute legend Russian guy. He could even be a black Russian. Culture doesn't have a race. Yeah. And so that's the, that's one thing they said was really racist by him. Uh, but he was on a panel with conservative political action um, at a uh, conservative political action conference with Peter Bramlow, an open white nationalist. And then that is when Mr. King made that remark. And then the next year in 2013, um, this is what Mr. King said on why he opposes illegal status for dreamers who were brought into the country as children. Um, open quotes. For everyone who's valedictorian, there's 100 out there that weigh 130 pounds. They've got calves the size of cantaloupes because they're hauling 75 pounds of marijuana across the desert. Those people would be legalized with the same act. And so... He does use some bright imagery with his words there. Um, a lot of hyperbole, too. But in all honesty, on, all honestly, he's not wrong. Now, I'm not saying that they're all 130 pounds with calves the size of cantaloupes, but he's not wrong in the aspect that for every valedictorian, there's 100 people out there that are bringing in drugs to the U.S., correct? I think his math... His math might be off, but the sentiment is true. These people are legalized with the same act if they're under the same age. And he's not talking about Mexicans. He's talking about illegal immigrants. 
Yeah. Keep that in mind. He's not he's not singling out one race, which would be racism. He's he's just he's not really singling out anybody except illegal immigrants as a whole. Not one race, not one culture even. So for I think for Democrats to say that that is racist is a really just outrageous claim because I don't I mean yeah, his words or his math is a little bit off, and he could have used different words, but I don't think that's racism at all, do you? No. I think this guy, similar to Trump, speaks his mind. He says what he thinks, and and he uses hyperbole. Which I like. I, like, I don't like politicians that reserve themselves constantly, and they don't say what they ever think. They just either lie about what they're thinking to get more people, or they just don't say anything at all, which, I mean, there's some how, there's some House members that you probably wouldn't even know they've existed at some point. I mean, you only hear from a select, what, probably 50 at a, sometimes? I mean, people know who Nancy Pelosi is. She's Speaker of the House now, but she's well, a yeah, member of the House. Well, yeah, because she never shuts there's, up. Yeah, there's Pelosi, there's Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Um, I can't even name... Honestly, I can't name 50 of them unless I'm reading off something. No. Yeah, I can name every single one if I've got a list of every single one of them. But my my point is you you never would have heard of this guy if it wasn't for uh, these said racist remarks. And so we're going to move on to the next racist comment he's had. What, he's, what they say is racist, so it makes... This one is just, I'm trying not to be sarcastic, but if I was being sarcastic, I would say this one is just genius. It's such a horrible thing, a horrible connection to racism. It's, he says that King invited a far-right anti-Islamist Dutch political guy, his name's Geert Wilders, to Washington and this guy who he invited to talk with him and take a selfie has once said that Islam is not a religion and that the Quran is worse than Mein Kampf. And he called for closing mosques. Is that racist, Sean? No. That's simply an is closing the. If he was an anti-Christian guy who wanted to close churches, well, think about maybe that. It's, not nice, it's not nice from him. But there's no Christian race. There's there's no Islamic race. There's no, like, Buddhist race. It's just, it's a religion. This is what gets really annoying from the left. They think saying something anti-Islam is racist. Like you just said, Islam in it of itself is not a race of people. And that's like saying... Like, if you go to church on a Sunday, everybody there is part of a race. No longer are we white. Are we all, like, white people or black people. Uh, we're now just Christian people. You get what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's what they're doing with Muslims. They're not, I mean, they're not saying you're, a, you're like a white, you're a white person anymore. You're not a black person anymore, but you're an, you're an Islamic person. That is, that is what you are. And I don't. Personally, I don't get why they say that's racist. I mean, 
it's on a list of racist things Steve King has said, and that's clearly not Steve King saying that. And then they get mad about uh, Steve uh, King tweeting out a selfie with Mr. Wilders in front of a portrait of Winston Churchill, and Mr. Wilders praises Mr. King for having the guts to speak out. And so I guess they're saying that's another racist thing he did for meeting with someone. I mean, I don't... I, it's really ridiculous because a lot of this stuff on this list is even just him giving an interview to someone who's like, as the New York Times, a former newspaper says, is far right. It's and anti and is a white supremacist just because he gives an interview to them and not even endorses their ideas. Yeah. And. Keep in mind, that was in 2015. Then 2016, uh, at the Republican National Convention, uh, Steve King claims that non-white groups haven't contributed as much as whites to civilization. This is his quote. This whole business does get a little tiring. I would ask you to go back to history and figure out where are these contributions that have been made by these other categories of people you are talking about. Where did any other subgroup of people contribute more to civilization than the white people have. I mean, I can see how that can up, upset certain races of people. And that's pro. in my opinion, that's mm-hmm. the closest thing to racism he's probably gotten in this whole list. And yeah. that, that itself is not... One problem, too, is... He does the assumption that leftists will tend to do a lot where they say that they're I'm not saying white people don't exist, but really it the whole race shouldn't be considered that because there's like there's so many different regions of white people, different cultures. There's like there's the Irish, the Americans, the British, the Swedish, Danish, Finnish, the Russians there's historically there hasn't really been a white culture there has been or a white race it was the roman race the germans the saxons all that stuff but if you look at inventors from the past you'll see yes most of them are white though black people have invented important stuff and asian people like peanut butter (laughs) did they invent peanut butter George Washington Carver helped. Oh, yeah. Absolute hero. Um, But, yeah. So that's a giant contribution to humanity. But the Chinese made a huge contribution to humanity. Gunpowder. That stuff is amazing. America. They made that, quite like a lot of stuff in America. But there are also a thing called middle cultures, like the... Jewish cultures and Chinese too traditionally where they will they're not really inventors but they're good at keeping prices low and keeping trade flowing yeah and so we're gonna we're gonna elaborate on one more quote of his and then we're gonna move on to our next story and then and so the last one I want to get to is on an Iowa talk radio Steve King recommended that The Camp of Saints, a racist 1973 novel about an invasion of Europe by non-white immigrants, 
he he simply recommended the book and then he gets called a racist for that. Now here's the thing, if it was like Mein Kampf, I'd get that. Yeah. But this I don't know. This is the New York Times. All I have to do is trust what they're saying that it's racist. And they just clearly say it's an invasion of Europe by non-white immigrants, not specifying where from. So it's just giving vague information about this book to discredit him. Now, I don't think I'm going to read the book because it's a waste of time for me. Yeah. So I just looked up the book. and here's A little summary. It says, The Camp of Saints is a 1973 French novel by author and explorer Jean Raspiel. The novel depicts the destruction of Western civilization through third world mass immigration to France and the West. Almost 40 years after its initial publication, the novel returned to the bestsellers list in 2011. And it does have a it has a 4.3 out of 5 ratings on Goodreads and a 78% of users uh, or Google users have liked the book. So I have no intention of reading the book because as Judah said, it sounds like a waste of time for me to read it. But also I guess that by this standards, they're saying anybody that's read the book and somewhat liked it is a racist all of a sudden. And it might have, it might be talking about uh, immigration destroying the West or whatever. Which it can do if you just like pump mass amounts of people into an unfamiliar culture, just like like an unending hose just all over another country. It can just fill it up with people who are completely foreign to that culture and it's not good for either of them yeah and so i guess by their standards anybody that's ever read the book pretty much is a racist which makes no sense uh but we'll let you guys know if anything more develops on the steve king thing because as as of right now people not a lot of people but some republicans are calling on him to step down lots of democrats are like mr mcconnell like Mitch McConnell is. He's one of the main people to start a big thing about him. But the next thing we're going to talk about is Judas heard and figured out that after a 30-day government shutdown, you can now start firing federal employees. Now, I just yes. I, I just looked this up real fast. and Because I, the last episode, me and Judah talked about how me and him couldn't we didn't feel any government shutdown effects and whatnot. And this is really the only big things you can find right now is airport security cuts in Atlanta and D.C.'s, the main things. FDA's recalled some workers. Uh, the Coast Guard's had to lay off a couple. And that's about it, really. And so not hard, so hardly anything still missing, as I should say, from the government besides some workers getting laid off. But the FDA or the Coast Guard said they would bring them back as soon as the government gets, you know, reopened. So it's not that bad. But so, Judah, would you tell us a little bit more about this 30-day government shutdown thing? Yeah, so I'll read a few excerpts from this article called Trump's Shutdown Trap on the American Thinker. It says, Has President Trump suckered Democrats and the deep state into a trap? That will enable a radical downsizing of the federal bureaucracy. In only five more days of the already longest government shutdown in history, a heretofore obscure threshold will be reached, enabling permanent layoffs of bureaucrats, 
for load 30 days or more. So I think it's three days now as of Thursday, mm-hmm. this Thursday. Um, that will be 27 days, three more days till it's 30. And then Trump can start laying off people. Now, as this guy says, a lot of procedures must be followed and merit is the last consideration. But based on the criteria, employees already for load can be laid off. So the people who are no longer, who aren't working during the shutdown can be fired once it's past the 30 days or 22 days of work. This seems to be what was referenced in this remarkable essay written by an unidentified senior Trump official published in the Daily Caller, which vouches for the authenticity of the author and explains that it's protecting him from adverse career consequences should the name become known. It says, the guy close to Trump says, on the average day, roughly 15% of the employees around me are exceptional patriots serving their country. I wish I could give competitive salaries to them and no one else, but 80% feel no pressure to produce results. If they don't feel like doing what they are told, they don't do it. And he says, why should they? We can't fire them. They avoid attention, plan their weekends, schedule vacation, their second job, their next position. They just keep on doing this for more than a decade as they're getting paid. So what they've realized is that with this shutdown going on, it's actually been better because the people who've stayed are the essentials who are decision makers and all the extra people who aren't really doing anything, they're gone. I mean, there have been some federal contract so, workers, which I'm they're obviously angry because uh, they've not gotten paid for 25 days now. and. Those are, mm-hmm. besides, like, some other, like, bureaucrats that are going to get wiped away after 30 days, if this happens, um, I think these are the people that are still safe. For them, it's just a matter. These are really the only other people that, the really only people that it affects is the government contract workers, is what I'm trying to say. And well, so they're the, the people, only ones. The people who are currently working now for the government they can't be fired because they've been working for the past 20 days. They haven't been given their um, government shutdown break. Yeah. So then, as you'll see, most likely, if this continues past the 30-day mark, Donald Trump will have no problem firing people. We've seen that in the past. You're fired, (laughs) you're fired, you're fired. (laughs) This would be like his dream job, just firing people who don't really have much of a use. Can you just imagine the amount of anger the left is going to have after thir- if it lasts 30 days and he starts doing this? Like, their anger is going to be off the charts as soon as he starts getting to firing people. Oh, and Trump, he's going to be like a little kid in a candy store. Yeah, he's he gonna will be, be like, thrilled to do yes! it. Yes! He finally gets to fire people. Because that's one of the big problems with the government. It's almost impossible to get people fired. Yeah. And 
And a couple more quick things before we move on to our last shorter stories of the day. I want to I want to uh, make sure you guys know there are two kinds of furloughs. Uh, administration furloughs, which being administrative layoffs, are planned events by an agency designed to absorb reductions necessitated by downsizing, reducing funding, lack of work, or any budget situation other than a lapse in appropriations, according to the Office of Personal Management. And then the other kind is shutdown furloughs, also known as um, emergency furloughs occurred during lapses in appropriations. And a shutdown furlough is obviously what we're seeing now. Mm-hmm. And so in our next episode, uh, we will be one day away from 30 days. And we'll talk about this a bit more um, next episode. Um, cause I'm sure we're going to have more to talk about about it then even. And our last couple shorter stories today is because of the government shutdown uh now the Nash uh college football national champions Clemson Tigers went to the they visited the White House yesterday or two nights ago I believe uh was it two nights ago uh but I think it was so since the government was shut down what Trump do he bought them a buffet of fast food out of his own pocket now I encourage you guys to go look up did he say it was a thousand burgers? It was probably more. There was big platters of just different restaurants and burgers and fries, and it looked glorious. That would have been heaven. And so, of course, the left was bashing him for doing this, like, oh, he only got them uh, fast food and blah, 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 blah. And they uh, interviewed a few Clemson Tiger football players afterwards. And you know what? You know what, Judah? What? They CNN didn't get the response they were hoping for. Uh, in fact, several of them thought it was awesome that he did this. I would too. I mean, what would it be like to just... You're expecting probably, what, like steak or something. You walk into a room, you've just got mountains of fast food on a big table. And that's with like... fries, Big Macs, Quarter Pounders. It would have... That would be awesome. That's like the spoils of of war for them. They just won. They dominated. Then they get all this this mountainous presidential fast food. Wendy's, McDonald's, maybe Burger King. I hope not. Yeah, they had some some Burger King. You hope not? I love Burger King. They always mess up my order. Oh, they always do anyway, but I still love it. And they had Chick-fil-A there, too. God bless them. They had classic chicken sandwiches. And I believe they did have tons of sodas there, too. So I I think that's legendary. But now something we've learned from this that's very important from Donald Trump, he tweeted out that all these football players, he had a great time with them, and... That they were good eaters. So now we know college football players are good eaters. Well, they probably had to get in their calories for the day, which I know a college football player, and he says he's in the off season. they've got to get close to 4,000 calories a day. Whoa. And so what he says he does is he'll wake up six or about three, four times in the middle of the night, eat a peanut butter sandwich, go back to bed. <laughs> During the day, he'll eat or four more as long along with breakfast lunch and dinner so he he'll eat two after breakfast two after lunch and two after dinner get all of his calories in each day that's insane these these players probably had no trouble getting it in with all the fries big macs quarter pounders they could have had Mm -hmm. and then we've 
we've got one more story, but I've got horrible memory. So it's, I've got a couple last things me. to say. Yeah. So I'm sure you guys remember the last caravan. It wasn't too long ago. Around it was in November when they came up to the U.S. But now there is a new U.S.-bound caravan that started out with about 500 Honduras citizens. Now it's grown to about 2,000. And there's not much on this yet. It's not very covered in the news. But so far, what I've seen is that a lot of Mexicans are not happy with these guys coming up through their land to get to America. They're not, you know, they don't like that kind of stuff happening. They don't want more um, people illegally coming into their country. And a lot of people have said stuff that if an American said it about a Mexican, it would be considered racist. <laughs> Here's yeah, they one get quote. One quote from a um, commenter from Mexico on a YouTube page. He said, work? Yes, there might be work for people who actually want to work, not for the lazy bums looking for entitlements. Which, imagine if someone up here said that. That would be considered pretty insane. Yeah, imagine if Steve King would have said that. Oh, yeah. They would have gotten so mad. This one would even be worse if it came from an American. He said, we do not want caravans of rats. Fight, find conditions in your own country. You are not welcome here. The fire that would come back from that. These are brown people talking about other brown people. Mm-hmm. So this isn't this isn't any racism at all. I'm sure. So I'm sure if the left ha- like gets their hands on this, which I'm sure they already have, um, they will have a field day saying how racist these people are. Which I think it's really hard to be racist towards your own race, unless you're just like if I was to say I hate white people. That. I mean, I don't even think that's racism. So we're going to keep you guys updated on the caravan, the new caravan, which we're going to see how it goes, and I'm sure they're probably going to fall out somewhere along the way because that's what the last caravan did. So Yeah, and one last thing before we end this show. This kind of brought me down a little bit. While I've got the Fox News notifications on my phone, And I got some notification that said that Jeff Bezos, the CEO of Amazon, was divorcing his wife. Now, okay, rich people get a divorce. Famous people divorce. This isn't news, really. But what I find annoying is that this stuff is what sells so much. And it's huge in our culture, reinforced by the media. And Fox News is guilty of it, too. That's what I got the notification from, actually. So it's just this annoying culture of people just uh, foaming at the mouth for drama. They want stuff like this popular guy's getting a divorce, whatever, this rich man. But I just, it would be nice if our culture wouldn't be so obsessed with drama. You know that? Like, yeah, that's what I was about to say that our. The American culture today is so obsessed over celebrity drama. It's insane. There's TV shows on like TMZ like devoted to it, like keeping up with the Kardashians. If you've ever seen an episode, which I highly advise you not to watch, um, it's about the stupidest thing you could ever watch on TV besides anime. 
Sorry if you like anime and you listen to this podcast, but it's dumb. Um, every episode is just devoted to drama. I don't think there's one peaceful moment in one episode like that. And then there's um, celebrity biz to or yeah, celebrity biz today, which is another drama TV show where they just talk about rumors and theories they have about uh, like celebrities. And I think it's ridiculous how drama crazed our society is today. And I don't think it would hurt us to move away from that. Yeah, it's just all this garbage information being pumped into people's brains. And so this is how we're going to wrap the episode up for today. Um, I had a lot of fun doing this episode. Um, Me and Judah have decided February, because I've asked people around me who listen to the podcast, they would love to hear stuff about Spygate from the beginning. So starting in February, make sure you listen February um, you're going to start hearing a lot more about that. We're going to start from Spygate from the beginning, um, from the people who are in Spygate to the investigations itself and really everything in between. So be looking for that. Um, I had a lot of fun today and I'm looking forward to talking to you guys on Saturday. So God bless America. And as always, folks, stay strong, stay conservative. 